Jeremiah chapter 7. Everybody say praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad that uh, we're going to focus our minds on what the Lord has for us. And, uh, if you look into God's Word, you will find instructions of life. You will find everything, really, that you have need of. It's all up to you to put your heart into it and ask the Lord to look at you in a merciful manner, and he will. It is written that God so loved the world and that he gave or provided that flesh known as the Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you have an opportunity, a beautiful opportunity. But there's a little uh, part here for us. There's, uh, in this overall work of God, there's a part for you. As Jesus made it clear, according to John's gospel, uh, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. So there's a place, there's a part, there's a niche, there's that which where you fit. And uh, you might want to liken it unto, I know everybody finds their seat and they, after a while, that's kind of like their seat. And um, we probably get in the same pattern uh, about where we park our cars. And uh, after a while, we just get used to that same spot. And in our mind, it's kind of our little reserved place. Well, I want you to understand that the Lord has made a place for you in the body of Christ, in the overall work of God. He saw you before the foundation of the world, and he made a place for you. Now, whether or not you fill that place is ultimately going to be up to you because God has done everything that he promised to do, okay? It's up to you and I now to do what we need to do. He's certainly not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. And he wants you to come to repentance. He wants you to come to being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to come and receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. These are not uh, options. These are what God demands. This is what we must do. That's how one man went from being a sinner and being contrary. Matter of fact, the man that we were just reading about, the Apostle Paul, how that he came out of darkness and how he came into marvelous light. How that he um, had this tremendous change in his life that no longer was he going to be this person who was contrary and obstinate or stubborn he wasn't going to be in a state of unbelief and using his religious ways of thinking and training even, that he wasn't going to use that anymore to justify the wrong that he was doing. And somewhere in the back of his mind, somewhere in his conscience, which is that faculty or part of your mind that tells you right from wrong, Somewhere in the back of his mind, if you please, he knew, I'm not doing right. I'm doing wrong. I'm, I'm just going contrary here. I'm, I'm really being, having my way and being stubborn about this. And I'm, I've locked myself in. I told uh, seen Sitfeld yesterday I had seen a couple that I hadn't seen in a while. And, and I said, they still the same way they've always been, though. I said, they have built a, a bomb shelter, if you please. And they've just... Uh, got themselves in this bomb shelter and 
hidden themselves away from the real presence of God and the real move of God and the word of God. And they've just built their bomb shelter out of their own little fashioning of rationalizations and a few scriptures mixed in there. A few little something here, a little something there, or as the Italians like to say, a fistful of this and a fistful of that. That's how they season their spaghetti sauce. Who knows what's, maybe you have a different sized fist than the next person, you know. You could wind up with too much oregano or too much black pepper or whatever. So um, it's, there's a little variance there, I suppose. Well, I will grant you that there are some scriptures where we have a little latitude. Uh, but there are some things in this Word of God that are foundationary, and they are the musts. It must be this way. And that's how the Saul of Tarsha became the Apostle Paul, because the Lord, in dealing with him, told him what he must do. And he submitted to that. He submitted to that. Set all of his religion aside. Got out of his shell of, of rationalization and excuse making and, and ways that he had set up little defense mechanisms in his mind and his spirit. Little ways that he had kind of worked it out that I'm getting by with it and it's all right. And uh, I've got a little pattern going here and I can get this worked out. And uh, it wasn't quite going the way that he had figured and the enemy of course had seasoned his thinking with how he got it all figured out it was going to work out only now things aren't working out so good and the apostle Paul to be <laughs> and I'm glad God sees what we can be I'm glad he doesn't just see the depths to which we can sink and maybe have sunk but he sees the heights to which we could rise through his power through his spirit through his truth through his salvation the devil wants to press you down he wants to take you to the bottomless pit he absolutely wants you to spend all of eternity with him in, in that place called hell in that lake of fire he does not want you to spend all of eternity with Jesus the Christ he doesn't want you to recognize Jesus as our hope or my hope my eternal hope if you use subject matter of course so we want to uh, wake up here to what God is doing. He's, he's already made a place for you. He's made a reserved parking place for you, okay? He's got a place with your name on it. He's got a, a niche where you fit just right. Somebody said it just fit like a glove, you know? He's got a place for you. Uh, and you want to get your, the eyes of your understanding open. That there is an inheritance, and there is an eternal hope, and there, there is a place called heaven, and there is a peace of God that passeth all understanding. There are so many good things in Christ Jesus. If you will simply begin to do what I'm going to give you from the book of Jeremiah chapter 7, and I will read to you verse 3. He said, Then said the Lord, and listen to what he said. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. You know, I borrowed somebody's Bible up here this morning. I just ripped off the pew over here. And I um, flipped to what I thought was Jeremiah, and I flipped to Isaiah. <laughs> I better get over here to, to good old uh, Jeremiah. And everybody said praise the Lord. But uh, Jeremiah, in chapter 7 and verse 3, he said, Thus saith the Lord, okay, the Lord of hosts. He said, The God of Israel, this is the word, he said, Amend your ways. Amend your ways. 
How am I going to get right with God? How am I going to make it right with God? It's not going to be enough to just say, I'm sorry. That's not going to be enough. I'm telling you right now. There's got to be a little depth behind this. There's got to be some sincerity behind this. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Seems it fell. I think we need a couple of seats. And so he said here again, and listen to it. He said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is Jeremiah. God speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. And he is speaking to people who made up that generation at that time, okay, in the land of Israel. And they were had gotten themselves into trouble with God. They got themselves in trouble because they were disobedient. They weren't doing what God wanted them to do. It's like the Jewish man said, he said, uh, that the rabbi said, well, he said, you know, when um, Israel is good, they're good. He said, and when Israel is bad, he said, they're very, very, very bad. Well, that kind of sounds like everybody, not just Israel, not just the Jewish people. Uh, but they were certainly, salvation is of the Jew, and uh, we, we certainly get a pattern set forth in them. And I wonder if we could do what many have failed to do. And that is, it's been said, nobody learns anything from history. If we could learn a little something from history here. We have seen the hand of the Lord deal in the Old Testament from Genesis through Revelation. And we have seen how the Lord had to deal with them in the times that they were disobedient and then they would fall into horrible situations only to cry unto the Lord. Big crocodile tears. They would cry unto the Lord. And then he would, they would be oppressed by the enemy. And as they cried unto the Lord, he would hear their cry. And he would send a deliverer. And he would rescue them out of their situation. But you know what? That went on time and time and time again. And it was developing a pattern that was developing and, and hardening up into like concrete. And, uh, you know, concrete, when you first pour it, you, uh, you have a little time there uh, to work with it and to uh, get it properly within the form and get it smoothed out and get it ready to be finished even. But uh, I remember when we poured the concrete out here uh, in the new building and that guy came with that big, huge crane and they had a, has a big hose attached to it and uh, he just stood on the, on the side and he had the, it uh, looked like the kids playing a game. That's, you know, he had the buttons there. And when he pushed the button, the concrete would flow, and, and that boom would go out, and it could reach all the way out into the, uh, to where the slab was being poured. And uh, the man that was pouring the slab with the boots on, standing out there, uh, pulling the, the concrete and screening the concrete and getting it in position, um, he, he uh, got a little upset with the fella with the little game. I guess he got lost, and he, th he thought he was playing Nintendo or some kind of game. I don't know what they play anymore, but, you know playing something because he got happy with the buttons and that concrete was just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out and it was getting to be a mountain there and it was, and it was too much to do that quickly and he knew this man pouring, uh, this man forming the concrete and, and doing the concrete work, he knew that that concrete was going to set up quickly and you only have a limited amount of time before it gets so hard you can't do anything with it. And you know you can only just add so much water because after a while, it's kind of like people have done with the Bible. Uh, you add water, there's a certain amount that you can put in there to, to keep it workable. 
But after a while, if you put too much water in there, you keep on putting water in there because you're fudging around and you're taking too long and you're too slow or somebody's put too much at one shot, uh, that concrete begins to, to set up and it gets hard and you're trying to put too much water to it. And after a while, you're going to wind up losing the strength. And it's going to be like the gospel in people's minds and in their religions. They've added so much water that they have diluted it. And now you've changed the consistency of it. You've changed the chemistry of it. And it's not what it was supposed to be. And this gospel is supposed to be the gospel. It's supposed to be the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means it's re you believe on his death by repenting. In other words, he died for your sin. You must die to your sin by repenting of it. Not enough just to say, I'm sorry here. That's a good beginning. But there's got to be some concrete and steel in there or some fiber mesh or something. There's got to be something here that strengthens this. It's got to be done in your life in a manner you can't procrastinate and continue to put off or continue to evade or rationalize or find what did it say in these times that there would be uh, people that would uh, bring fables and, and they would bring words that don't represent what Jesus said and they, that uh, people would uh, turn to that because they had itchy ears. You ever get that itch way down in there? And they're looking for somebody to scratch the itch. They want to find somebody that will tell them what they want to hear and what makes for that, uh, takes away that annoying, itchy feeling or that conviction that they're feeling in their conscience, their mind, because they know, like the man who became the Apostle Paul, I'm really not doing it right here. And that's where Jesus just put his finger right on it and said, you're fighting me. You're persecuting me. Oh, and uh, I've got all these degrees here, but I need to ask you, uh, who are you? <laughs> and Jesus said, I'm Jesus. That's who I am. And you're fighting me. You're fighting against me. Your actions, your words, your thoughts, your doings, you're fighting me. And so the same spirit of the New Testament, the same spirit of the Old Testament, got news for you, big revelation here, only one God. Only one God. That same eternal God. He is a spirit. Okay? And here, dealing with the same devil, the same ugliness, the same sin, the same rationalization, the same stubbornness, the same hard-headed ways, uh, Jeremiah is used of the Spirit of the Lord, and he says, amend your ways. Amend your ways. Everybody said, amend. Amen. Amend your ways. Well... When he said that, he didn't stop there now. Listen to uh, this chapter 7 and verse 3. When he said, amend your ways, he said, and your doings. Amend what you're doing. We're going to uh, improve this. Amend it. We're going to improve it. We're going to do better. Everybody said, I can do better. Well, with God's help, we can do better. Sure we can. Uh, this man who became the Apostle Paul, we read to you from the Word of God, 1 Timothy, read to you where he said that God set forth a pattern first in him because he said, I was the chiefest of sinners. He said, I, I was going around and compelling people to blaspheme Jesus Christ. I was, I was putting people in jail because they were baptizing in Jesus' name and they were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I was, I was just being a bad dude. And I, I took it upon myself 
to do things. I thought I could just go do it. And one day, on the road to put people in jail and to compel people to blaspheme and, and with his letters of authority and just feeling all full of himself, it's a whole lot better to be full of him than to be full of yourself. So much better, John the baptizer said, he said, I got to decrease so that he may increase. I, I need to get the balance correct here. Less of me, more of him. Less of my works of the flesh. You know, let's get rid of the things that are, if, if I said the works of the flesh and I put them all, lumped them together and said less cancer and more Jesus, I think you would readily identify with what we're saying because sin is cancerous. Sin is leprosy-like. In your Bible, it's typed as that. Sin is killing us. Sin is separating us from God. Sin is keeping us from the only one who can help us. And I said the only one who can help us. All right? And he has a name. He brought his name. He sent it by special messenger, an angel, and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. What's he going to do? He shall save his people from their sins. Now everybody said amen. amen. Not going to save you in your sin. That's a contradiction. To save you means to deliver you. And that's why you get some people going around and they're claiming, I'm saved, I'm saved, yes, I'm saved. And it's the same old person. They've got the same old, what did, what did uh, uh, Leviticus call it? The, the swearing of the mouth. You know, they have the same filthy words, have the same filthy jokes. I had a man the other day uh, at, a, at a business and, he, and I started to leave and our business was conducted. I started to leave. He said, hey, let me tell you this joke. And I said, no. And, he was, and I turned around and I left. I don't want to hear what he had to say in any kind of joke. I'm quite sure that it wasn't going to be anything that would be acceptable to a mind by the grace of God that's been washed in the blood and that you've gotten that filth out of there. You know, Now, many years ago, I'd have been only too ready to hear the joke and tell a couple of my own. But then, that day came when God allowed me to obey His Word and to amend my ways. We begin to set out on an improvement course here and make things better here. We begin to remove the faults and the errors here. There was a reform going on. You know, people want to talk about the Reformation. Let me tell you something. The Reformation is a, is a Protestant Reformation. That means it was a protest. They were protesting a particular religious denomination. That's their their Reformation. That's called the Protestant Reformation in history. That hasn't got a thing in the world to do with the Word of God. God said that He brought forth a Reformation. And that was when He brought the church to the earth. And He said, I'm going to bring people to a truth. I'm going to help them to amend their ways and their doings. I'm going to reform them. They're not going to be the way they used to be. You're not, what did it say? If anybody be in Christ Jesus, He is a new creature. A new creation. Oh, things have passed away. He got rid of that junk. Isn't it nice to get rid of the junk and the dirt and that he could send it away and it be remembered no more, give you a clean slate? It's called being born again. It's called you, you were born a loser and you get reborn a winner. He gets to make something new out of you. You become a new creation. Old is out and new is in. A new creature. A new creation. In Christ Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. It means, you know, to correct. He 
going to make some corrections. Well, for there to be corrections means that you've got to be correctable. It means that you've got to be able to be corrected. And that's why the man that became the Apostle Paul and why he became the Apostle Paul is because he took the correction. When he was slapped down, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. You're fighting me. And then he said, What will you have me to do? He just slapped all the fight out of him, didn't he? Slapped all the stubbornness and all the contrariness and all the I know it all stuff. Slapped that all out of him. You've got to become humble. You've got to humble yourself. The New Testament brightened things up about children. He, he said you have to become as a little child. You know? And so you, you come to this place where you, you realize, as Jeremiah, was, we can learn from history here. God was saying, it's the same as saying repent, but I'm giving it to you from an old, an old Testament terminology. He said amend your ways and your doings. Everybody said amen. All right, amend your ways and your doings. And he said, and I will cause you. Not just going to happen. He said, I'm going to cause you. There's going to be a power and a force. You know, it said after that, New Testament, after, and that's the time in which we live. He said, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. Didn't he say, didn't I read it to you in First Timothy this morning, where he said, and God who hath enabled me. Now, you know, if you've got somebody that is uh, an alcoholic, if you keep giving them money, they're just, you're just enabling them to go get more booze. If they're a cocaine addict and you're giving them money, you know, and you're, you're that mommy that is, has made this person the way they are anyway because you've always doted on them and give them everything they want to have and never uh, developed any responsibility. You see, when you come to God, he's going to develop responsibility in your life. Okay, you're not just gonna uh, slide through life and get everything on a silver platter. That's the problem. People got things on a silver platter until they're absolutely got the wrong things on the platter, and it is destroying them. And and they begin to live uh, very irresponsible lives, and it begins to destroy them. It begin they begin to indulge themselves in every wrong thing in life. Jesus wants to come into your life and he wants to give you some responsibility. This is not a house of welfare. Let me hear you understand that, okay? This is not a place of wealth. We are not a government agency. The church came from God Almighty. The church, if anything, I would liken to a hospital. It's a place where sick come. Jesus said, I didn't come to the righteous. He said, I came to the sick. And he said, I came to seek out and to save the sinner, to save the people that are sick, to pay, save the people that are lost. I'm not looking for the self-righteous people. He said, I'm looking for the down and the dirty and, and the ones that aren't doing it right and are sick and lost, and, and I'm going to get them. Go into the highways, go into the hedges, and find them and bring them to my house may be full. I want to bring them into my hospital, and I want to minister to them. And when I get them well, and when I get them whole, and when I enable them to live for me, then they're going to stand up on the rock and their own two feet with my power and my authority in them and they're going to be a light to a lost and dying world and that men will see their good works and they'll glorify me Jesus said everybody said amen everybody said praise the Lord this is not just you know for you to get some little good little endorphin feeling here you know all the synapses firing here all the flesh going on. There is going to be uh, a part that you're going to play. Okay? You don't just come into church and just skate and just, just you know, do next to nothing and, and then fall right back into the same old patterns and the same old doings. 
And that is not what this is designed here in the body of Christ. And as a, as a preview, Jeremiah is used to tell them, you amend your ways. You've got some work to do here. You know, uh, one place in the scripture, the word amend is used with actually with a, a renovation. It was talking about a house. And, and it used the word amend. And it, it meant to go in and restore it. Restore the house. Well, you've got to go in and you've got to begin to work. And, and the New Testament does liken uh, us uh, in building a house. Remember, you read, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them. He said, I'll show you to whom he's like. He said, that's a wise person that hears my sayings and begins to do them begins to amend their doings of their old ways, and now we're going to come in here and we're going to build this house correctly. First thing, we're going to start digging deep and we're going to build the house on a rock. And we're going to dig deep and get that foundation. And then as we build that house, we're not just going to build it to be waterproof, which we're going to do that, but not just waterproof, because further teaching tells you that you want to build it out of fireproof material. You don't want to build it out of wood hay and stubble, not just anything will do, not just any material. People act like, you know, God's going to just uh, accept anything, you know. Come here, uh, Andre. You know, when the Old Testament, when they, when they had to bring an offering like a lamb, they had to bring to the priest, and the priest had to check the lamb. Okay, we'll take that lamb. We'll sacrifice that lamb. He had to check it. Wasn't allowed to have spot. Wasn't allowed to have blemish. Not just anything will do. He told to bring the best of the flock, best of the firstlings of the flock. You know, if you read your Bible, you're going to find out that God's very particular about things and that he, he, does, he does things with exactness. It's not just, you know, it's not like the guy that, like me, that goes down to the hardware store and when I get there, he says, okay, what do you need? I said, well, I need a board about this big and about this big, and, you know, it's about that thick. And, and he's looking at me like, you know, there's got to be some exactness here, you know. We've got to put the tape measure to it. There are things that have to be exact. And it is not to discourage you. It is trying to let you know that God knows just exactly what he's doing. And when he said you must be born again off water, and of the Spirit, he knew exactly what he was saying and that it would be for our good. He has done everything for our benefit, all right? He cares about you. He, that's why one place in the Scripture said, cast all your care upon him, for he careth or cares for you. He's caring for you. It's an ongoing state of being situation. It's not something past tense, and you don't have to be thinking it's coming way down. I'm going to get to the church one of these days. I'm going to get to the church one of these days. Pretty soon I can't get anywhere. Maybe I'll have to go in the wheelchair, you know, if I can even roll that. I have to get somebody to enable me, won't I? Well, I want God to do what he said. I want him to enable us, enable us here. He wants to help us. He doesn't want to help you to be an alcoholic. He does not want to help you to be some kind of drug addict. And which alcohol is a drug. He doesn't want to help you to continue in sin and add sin to sin. He doesn't want to um, help you to continue in wrong directions uh, on the broad and the wide path that leads to destruction. No. He wants to help you get on the straight and the narrow. 
that leads to eternal life. And he said, and few there be that go in there at. But the good news on that, it's a few out of each generation. And so by the time you get to that time around his throne, it's going to be a number that no man could number. Isn't that nice? I'm glad it didn't mean just a few like, you know, one, two, three, or four people here uh, over all of, of planet's history. I'm so glad that it's going to be a number that no man could number. And you want to make sure that you're going to be in that number. So therefore, you want to amend your ways and amend your doings. You've got to set to work on the house here. And you've got to start listening to what he's saying, and then you've got to start doing it. You've got to start a process here and say, I'm going to have a new house and I'm going to make sure things are right, and as we go on, I'm going to keep amending. It's not a one-shot deal. I'm going to keep amending. I'm going to keep on restoring this house, and as, if it looks like something's waning a little bit or, or wearing thin a little bit, I'm going to restore it. And it is written in your Bible, when somebody is overtaken in a fault, it said, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It's not wise to get overconfident. It's he that thinketh he standeth, let him take heed, lest he fall. That the humble approach with God, a broken and a contrite heart, he will not refuse. That you could come to God in a humble manner, and you must really come to him in a humble manner. Uh, what did it say in Joel 2.28? It said, it come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, the preacher said all flesh but one, and that's proud flesh. God ain't messing with the proud flesh. There's not no Holy Ghost coming down on proud flesh. You've got to get humble before God. You've got to desire God. You've got to want God. You've got to show God, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to start off by repenting or by amending my ways here. I'm going to make uh, by what I can do. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to start making some changes here. And you know, if you'll do your part, if you make it in this race, uh, the first leg of this race, if you make it just part way, then God's going to bear you up and he's going to help you make the rest of it. He knows your heart and that's what's important. And you better remember he knows your heart. Sometimes people want to try to explain away or ex like you could or excuse away like you could uh, outward things, you know, and they want to say, oh no, God don't look at that. God only looks at the heart. That makes it even more stringent and indicting because God is looking at your heart and everything's coming out of the heart. Is goodness going to come out of there or is badness going to come out of there? You understand? So you want, if God's looking at your heart, that's all the more reason to get God as the, as the heart surgeon to do an operation on your heart and open it to his word so that you can start amending your ways and start correcting things and start doing better and let his holy presence come in there as the master interior decorator and begin to put things in order. Have you never read about the house being empty and swept and garnished? That he did that. God does that. He goes in there and gets all that mess out of your heart make something new here. He wants to make something fresh. He wants to put things in order. And it is written. That's another one, you know. They love to try to explain away. And first of all, they're over in, in, in uh, the New Testament in the, in the uh, like Corinthians or Romans or something. And they, they want to use scriptures there to try to uh, explain away certain things. And uh, the problem is, number one, you're not going to find salvation between Romans and Revelation. Those are letters or epistles or messages that were written to the church, the body of Christ. These were people that had already amended their ways. These were people that heard the message and heeded the message, and they amended their ways they, they, and their doings. 
and they started making things better. They started making things right with God. And, and God answered their prayer, and they got baptized in Jesus' name, and they got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hence, the born-again salvation became theirs. And now they're in the body of Christ. And now we we got a, a work started in Rome, and we've got a work started at Ephesus, and we've got a, a congregation over here and a congregation over there. Now we've got to teach them what they've got and how, now that they've got a brand-new life, how to live that brand-new life and what observers said. In, at, at Antioch in Acts chapter 16 called them Christians first at Antioch. It was an observation. People in the town watched what they were doing and observed what they were doing. I'm glad that people can see the good because people surely can see the bad. And, and, and believe me, people are looking. They want to find fault. Somehow that makes them feel like they can have an excuse to keep doing their junk. You know, I told you, uh, heavy is always 25 pounds heavier than I am. And old is always 25 years older than I am, you know. And uh, so, and, and if somebody, uh, if I get pulled over for speeding, I'm first thing I'm going to say, that guy was going faster than me. He says, yeah, tell it to the judge. That's what he'd tell you. So don't bother doing that one, okay. I thought it was such a bad example in the paper when they said that the mayor of, of West Palm Beach, they quoted her. She ran a red light, and they got it on camera. And uh, she had every kind of excuse and rationalization going on. And I thought, okay. This is the mayor of the city. This is not good. If she's, and she, she was quoting all kinds of ways to get around the law, and the courts would throw it out, and I'd fight it, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, you know, you're supposed to be a leader here, and all you're doing is leading somebody to break the law and, to, and then to get away with it. Well, let me tell you something. There's no loopholes in God's law. There's no loopholes in God's law. And so we, you don't want to be figuring there's some way out of this. The way out of this Paul was told, what you must do. That's the way out of this. If, how shall you escape, the book said, right? And so if you want to escape the hellfire and the damnation, it's not going to be by trying to explain things away or pit one scripture against another and get all full of religion. It's going to be by you submitting yourself to what God is saying. And we study the book in subject matter. And we follow God's plan and God's program. And I don't need a blue book, a red book, a green book, or a black book. Okay? Meaning the, the one with the bicycle people. <laughs> you know, I don't need that. I just need the Word of God. I don't need some kind of little addition that I need to add in or somebody's Bible that has uh, added a bunch of lost books to it. And then somebody popped up here a year or so ago and came up with the lost gospel of Judas Iscariot. I don't care what Judas Iscariot had to say. He was a traitor. But I want to hear what he's got to say for it, you know? I don't want anything to do with a traitor. I, I'm, I'm going to stay right with this Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, close to 800,000 words. That's fine. God has his hand on that. He inspired that. He knows how to confirm that. He stands on his word, and you can do the work of God, and God will work with you confirming his word. And everybody said amen. amen. God is not deaf. God is not blind. God is not mute. His hands are not tied, and he is not asleep, nor is he on vacation. Thank God. And everybody said amen. Because if I ever get to go on vacation, I don't want God to be on vacation because something might happen on my vacation, and I need him to be there. And so do you. Everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. I'm glad that he that keepeth me never slumbers and never sleeps. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, I was going to get to verse 5 here. And so he said, for if ye thoroughly 
amend your ways thoroughly. Doesn't it remind you of the teaching in the scripture about the, the little woman that she had the coins and she lost one of them? Next thing you know, she turned on the bright lights and she got the broom out and she got to sweeping and she was trying to find and clean up and she was getting rid of all the stuff that was cluttered around there going to get this stuff out of here and I'm going to find that, that valuable coin which was a gift. I've got to find that here, okay? I've allowed too many things to clutter up into my mind and my heart and now I've lost a gift. I've lost something that God has gifted to me, something that a blessing and grace that God has put in my life. You know, if you're not careful, you'll become like the camel that couldn't get into the city through the gate because he had too much baggage stacked up on his back. Even when they got him down on his knees. That's why some people, they get down on their knees and they tell God they want the Holy Ghost and they don't get the Holy Ghost. Or they come and they raise their hands, which they should, and begin to pray for the Holy Ghost. But sometimes they don't get the Holy Ghost because they got too much things in their heart. There's a big pileage of clutter there. It's like that closet in your house that when somebody unexpectedly knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and you're opening the closet and shoving everything in there you can to make the house look presentable. Now you're meddling. No, I'm just expressing to you from experience. <laughs> Everybody's got one of those closets somewhere or a drawer, right? And brother, we, we pile it on in there. Well, you know, when your heart, though, we're talking about with God, and you can get so many things stacked up until you can't, you can't get, even though you kneel down, even though you raise your hand, you can't get through that eye of the needle. You can't get through that gate into the kingdom of Almighty God. It's very important that we amend. It's very important that we correct things. It's very important that we correct the faults and that we reform things and we get rid of some things. There is a repentance here and amending here, and that means that you're going to cut some things off. That means that, what did it say? If your right eye offend thee, he said, pluck it out. He said, if your right hand offend thee, cut it off. If your right foot, cut it off. He's not talking about you taking a chainsaw or an axe or anything else. He's talking about you cutting off those evil doings. He's talking about you amending your ways. Get rid of those wrong kind of desires. Let's die to that. Let's cut that off. Let's stop that. Let's amend that. And let's get about God's business. And God, God's got a place for you. And he's got something for you to do. But it does, you can't run ahead of it and say, well, I'm gonna, oh, I had a man up in Lake Placid. He showed up uh, out of Chicago or somewhere. And he, and he, and he said, uh, at the service I went to when he was there, and uh, I have to say the service because I think that was about the one and only service he came to. But after the service, he said, you just call me any time. He said, we're going to fill this place up. So we called him. He never came. We had outreach. He didn't come. We invited people to church. He wasn't there. Okay. So, you know, they say talk is cheap. You know, God said, amend your ways and your doings. We got, we got a little clutter to get rid of here. We got a little... Uh, emptying out. That's another scripture talked about. Empty emptiers emptied it out. There's some emptying out that has to go on. There's some things you got to get out of your heart and get out of your life with God's help. Okay? I've seen people struggle with lots of things, but God is our helper. And He's going to help, but He knows your heart. And He knows if you're sincere. He knows if you're going to uh, really put yourself into this. One place it said in the book of Acts that the man's house joined hard to the church. You want to you wanna get in this thing. You don't want to just try. You know, they got this easy believing, you know. Oh, you want to be saved? Okay, man. You got it. I got what? Well, you got a handshake. That's all you got. Well, I got this little card over here. And it's got all these pretty words that somebody put together and called a prayer. If you'll just sign right down there and date it, you're saved. 
problem is I never read about the handshake in the Bible. I never read about the little prayer on the card and signing it in the Bible. I need what Paul said, God showed forth in me first a pattern. I need the pattern. God took Moses up to the mountain and showed him things, and when he got done, he said, make sure you do it according to the pattern that I showed you in the mountain. You don't deviate from that. You don't go some other way. You don't dream up. Don't have a bunch of pinto beans and go to bed and wake up in the morning. And you, get, you, got this, you dream something, and you, you set off to start a new religion and a new way of doing things. All you got is a bad bellyache and a bad night of sleep. You need to get up in this word of God, and you need to tell yourself what God said God meant. And I've got to get in that pattern. I've got to do it the way God said to do it. I want, I want the chapter and verse. I want the words of God. I want, to, I want to read what he said. I challenge you to open that Bible and read Acts 2.38. That's the first day of the church that Jesus gave birth to. And when Peter was used and set forth to preach the word of God to them, and he did, when he got done preaching that sermon, they said, what? Shall we do? Now you give a preacher that kind of opening and he should tell you what to do. And he should tell you what to do by the word of the Lord. And Peter spoke by the thoughts and the voice and the instruction of Jesus Christ on that very first day to that very first sermon to that very first crowd. And Peter answered that question and said, repent. So you got repent. Amend my ways and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Baptized, Jesus' name, remission of my sins, full pardon, full forgiveness. Going to send all my sins away. Going to carry my dirt away. And, and subject matter is not going to remember it anymore. And God said, I'm ready to pardon. Why are you holding God up? Some of you standing God up. He said, I'm ready to pardon. God said, I'm ready. How about you? Don't, don't be a no-show. You get there. And then he, thirdly, he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give you an experience here. I gave my life on the cross. I shed the blood. I did all of that that I might purchase the gift of my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to give to you, that you could have that gift. There is no gifts of the Spirit unless you first get the gift in you, the gift of the Holy Ghost. You get it from the gift giver. His name is Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. People always want to put the clock a little faster than what I think. <laughs> uh, and uh, But people always want to put the, the donkey in front of the cart, you know. But as I said, people want to go to a scripture and they want to Take it out of context, something that was written to the church, teaching them, now that you've got it, here's how to live it. And giving them, you know, if, I, if, if you come to our school and you get, uh, you get uh, the ABCs and you get the 1 to 25, and you can count them, uh, I'm pretty sure you don't want us to reach over there into the, into the calculus course. I don't think you're going to want us to do that. For people who re reach over beyond the book of Acts, where the church was started, the church has continued on right to this second and will until Jesus returns, you don't want to just bypass the book of Acts and go over there to Romans to Revelation and you're reaching into the calculus and you haven't even gotten the ABCs yet. And it is written, um, let us go on. 
and this will do if God permits. But God's not going to permit you to go on to the XYZs until you get to ABC. You've got to be born again. I, you may have that little baby uh, already planned out to be a multimillionaire in your mind, but you might want to let the baby get here first. You know, I had a guy come around here one time, and he, and he told me, he said, you can stand, by the way. He told me um, that, uh, <laughs> he, he said, I don't believe in the, a lot of these different things. He said, you know, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that, I don't believe in the other. And I was listening to him, and he said, what about you? What do you think? And I said, well, I said, do you have any children? He said, yeah. I said, my wife's fixing to have one. I said, okay. I said, well, are you going to go to your wife and, I don't know, set a megaphone there and just start preaching all that to that unborn baby? No, I ain't going to do that. I said, well, then suppose we let people get born again before you start telling them all this and telling them all that and telling them all the other. Why do you want to get into XYZs or calculus before we get to ABCs? we got to get here first. We've got to arrive on the scene. We must be birthed. We need a new birth. And that's what Jesus made clear. The church wants to birth you and let you know that you have a place. And I read in the paper yesterday about all these people and all the different names they're naming their babies. And they had one guy, they, they couldn't make up their mind, so they gave the baby four names. Not the last name, but this, all these are names before the last name. And hey, fine, that's their choice, no problem, you know. But you know what? When it comes to, to salvation, you don't have to sweat about any of that. Because of all the names there are for God and all the titles there are for God, he summed it all up in one. And he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. You'll be baptized in that name. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost in that name. And you're going to make heaven in that name. You're going to get your prayers answered in that name. Because that's the name that's above every name, whether in heaven or in earth, the book says. And that whatsoever you do in word or deed, you do it all in that name. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. In Lake Placid, we had a brand new girl to get, well, we baptized her here, but she's from Lake Placid Church. And um, I don't know if I tell you, but we baptized some of the children up there, and, and they went out into the Orange Grove because we rent a building there, so there's no baptismal. It's just a women's club. And so they went out into the Orange Groves, and they got this thing, big, um, plastic thing, I forgot the word I'm looking for, but you know, one of those plastic things in um, fiberglass, and uh, they put oranges in there, you know, and so they, they went out there, and they were going to take, borrow one, and uh, one of the Spanish men said it'd be fine, and they were going to fill it with water to baptize some of the kids, and so there was a su supervisor was out there, and he said, well, I'll give you a nicer one than that, so he was very nice to us, gave it to them, and so they, we have pictures, you probably got them back there on the board, of baptizing the kids in this deal. Well, I'm saying to you that uh, there was no question about what name we're going to baptize them. And we got this young lady that came. She's 20-something years old. Is that right, Tom? Thank you. And uh, you know Tom. He's got one for Monday, Tuesday, and now he's got Wednesday. <laughs> Amen. As long as he's just talking to him, it's fine. Now, if we're going to go any further than that, we're going to settle it down to one, I can tell you that. Everybody said hallelujah. He's just like Jesus. He loves them all. Give the kid a break. All right? All right. Everybody said hallelujah. So anyway, she came, and we baptized her here, and uh, she, had a, she has a cousin that uh, shares an apartment with her, and the cousin, the young lady said, um, she said, uh, told somebody, she said, yeah, T.C. got baptized, and the woman got very upset because of her religion. She got real upset about it and started talking about being disrespectful and all this stuff. She said, she said, well, she said, I'll tell you what, she said, she just did what the Bible said, 
She said, because I read it for myself. She showed it to me. She showed me where you're to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. She said, and I read it, so it's right. And I guess the other one was like, well, shut my mouth, you know. But some people still don't shut up, even when the Word of God says it, do they? They're still going to rant, they're still going to rave, and they're still going to argue. But there's going to come a day when nobody's going to want to argue then. They're just going to want to get on that ark. They're going to want to get in that church. They want to go in that first resurrection because it's going to be literal all hell breaking loose all over the earth. And you think the earthquakes are bad in Haiti and China and, and other places that have hit recently? Nothing to compare to the earthquakes that are coming that every island is going to be moved out of its place. You're not going to be able to find Jamaica. It's going to be gone. Those islands are going to move. That's what your Bible says. And I believe the Bible. I believe it. They're going to look for places to hide, and there'll be no place to hide. The rocks and the mountains are going to be moved and fall, and they're going to beg for death. It's going to be so horrible. I'm going to tell you what. Right here, right now, you want to beg for life. You want to believe for life. You want to have faith unto this great salvation. And you start that by amending your ways. I'm going to quit being contrary and argumentative and quarrelsome and pre, uh, what's the word I want, uh, putting it off, you know, just pushing it off and pushing it off. I'm going to quit doing that. And procrastinating is the word I wanted. I'm going to quit putting it off. And I'm going to start doing here. I'm going to amend that doing. I'm going to quit saying no and start saying yes to the word of God. Let's take a moment. Lift our hearts with our hands. Let's love the Lord together. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, holy God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Touch our hearts. Minister to our minds. Come on now. Is it more than just a prayer to pray? More than just a way to what does it mean to be his? To be his Know that we have a purpose. To be salt and light in the world, in the world. To be salt and light in the world. To be salt and light in the world, in the world. To be salt and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord, redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so, say so. Oh, that the church would arise. Oh, that the church would arise. That we would see with Jesus' eyes. We could show the world. To be born in his likeness, show them they have a purpose. To be soft and light, to be soft and light in the world, in the world. To be soft and light in the world, to be soft and light in the world, in the world. To be soft and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 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 Let the redeemed
Jesus.